Hello, I'm Howard. Welcome to the 9320 podcast and the latest special podcast on match officials. Is the standard worse after another controversial weekend or are we asking too much with impossible expectations of referees and their assistants? Uh, to discuss this, got the best man for the job, the only man for the job to discuss all this. It's Chris. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm fine, Howard. How are you? Not bad. It's, the, it's been fun week really hasn't it so it has been a fun week it's a sh- well i know you're freelancing so it's less kind of i don't know how much you benefit from the bank holiday uh, was, not at all no 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 so it was a nice bank holiday and then tuesday night was very pleasant um okay. looking like it'll be madrid in the semi-finals if we progress uh possibly after watching the game last night but yeah mm. so nice it's thursday before we know it were you uh, were you hoping chelsea won last night then uh, can't, yeah. Well, hope against hope, isn't it? It's, it's. I didn't. I didn't retain any genuine hope for it. Um, but I mean, you'd and, rather have played them, is what. Oh saying. yeah, yeah. Because because there's there's all Chelsea can depend upon the minute is is the instinctive skills of what is it? You know, there's there's a, there's, there's a group of you know some quality players well, that's in it, there. Yeah. That's that's all that's all they can depend upon really, and I think that's that defines why Lampard has been brought in to ba- babysit them through that with the with the kind of faint hope that they might be able to pull something out of the bag. But I, I thought that Madrid were quite sloppy at times, so uh, but they still beat them quite comfortably. And I think Chilwell sending off was just symptomatic of the of where Chelsea are at the minute. He, he it was, was. A, it, it was just it was just a pointless, petulant act for people who don't feel they've got anything to lose. So mm. it's crazy. No, it's, I mean when I looked at the Chelsea lineup it's like, you know, and who's on the bench, it's like well, in theory yeah. in theory is not much use, is it? On paper, the squad's as good as Madrid's probably. Absolutely. Maybe. Absolutely. Possibly. <laughs> but yeah. of course they don't but they're a mess and they don't have the form. So you know, and if we face them in a semi final another English club there's always a narrative, but mm. ultimately, yeah, Madrid would have been is the tougher face uh, I don't but, know but, but, but it's weird but th- they were all over the place early doors Madrid but they turned the screw didn't they yeah, yeah I, see things we can get at them I don't know I, I mean that's exactly what I was going to say Howard is that the upside of watching them last night is that you can see where their flaws are you can see where their their main strengths are obviously it's 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 one thing identifying where the strengths are it's another thing to be able to stop them but the way we're playing at the minute and how comprehensive we are as a team and the and the and the, the victory against Munich really testified to that that I would have as favourites to beat Madrid in a two-legged semi-final. So I yeah I feel quite confident about that. Yeah, we were favourites against Bayern Munich before the first leg. You know to go through. Yes, overall. but yeah. I, I don't take much attention to odds anymore because we always start the season's favourites mm. for the Champions League, the league for everything, and we're always mm. the favourites. Whether even though we don't win it, so yeah, it would be. I mean, we should have been obviously, we should have got through against them last season, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's three minutes of madness, but there you go. Right, should we talk match officials? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Did he take a gulp then? <laughs> take a gulp of coffee then, and, and a big swig of humility. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first question is. Uh, one that's just obviously pops up in my mind and probably a stupid question, but it does pop in my mind 
when we're on WhatsApp sometimes going, ah, I forgot Wells a load of crap. <laughs> and I know you're reading these. I think, do you take it personally when match officials are under the cosh in the Premier League or is it of no concern to you whatsoever because you can separate yourself from others doing the same role? Yeah, I don't take it personally at all. It, 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 it isn't like I'm a, I'm a nurse on the front line of the NHS and my <laughs> colleagues are getting berated where, where, it's, you know, where my instinct would be to, to obviously, you know... Um, respond in a militant fashion i i think i i don't it's not a professional role for me it's something that i do um, i volunteer to do obviously i get paid basic fees for it but it's nothing like it's not, it's not a professional role. so i'm able to be objective about it because like any any line of work uh, no matter what the industry is um, being in a position of authority doesn't necessarily mean that you're competent <laughs> and and so so i know that in the same way that Football players can be deeply flawed, can be erratic. The officials can be the same way. So I don't take it personally at all. And I'm able to, yeah, I'm like I say, I'm able to be objective. I can, I can identify when a referee's had a good game. I can identify when a referee has made mistakes. What has changed for me, and I would say a dramatic change for me, is I do look at, I do look at refereeing and officiating in general when I'm watching it as a fan. I do look at it very differently now. And I, and I no longer have that knee-jerk reaction. I was sat, I wasn't sat in my normal seat at the Etihad on Tuesday. I was sat just actually nearer to, nearer to where you sit than to where I not normally sit in the, in the south stand. And I was surrounded by um, a number of people whose attitudes towards not just officials, but but the laws of the game were were let's say let's say limited. To, 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 <laughs> Welcome to, to, to the South Stand. Yeah, Chris. yeah, but but and I think I think it's that it, it's that. What what sort of thing were they commonly getting wrong or? Um, okay, so, so part, a- I can assume without even having to ask you, there's the usual stuff, obviously. A yellow card for every foul they make, or mm. the referee mm. just not picking up on stuff, and yeah, yeah, the usual yeah. bias that a football fan would tend to have in the ground. But yeah, I think I, I mean, the thing is that this sort of partisan bias that people have is, is whilst it's effect, it, it, it's it's accepted as almost an affectionate trope of supporting a team. I do think I do think it plays a fundamental role in in, in what's problem with the one of the problems with, with with the perception, but it's more to do with with people saying ref, but he got the ball deeply irrelevant, whether he got the ball or not. Mm. Um, whether the, whether the ball went out of play for a throw, the fact is the whole ball needs to go out of play. Now, I think there is a problem with that. I think there's a massive inconsistency with assistance is that you very rarely see a ball having to go all the way out before an assistant raises this flag. Um, but, I think but it like, did, though. I don't think it did. I saw that one. <laughs> I, right? We both know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know what we're we should, talking about. We should uh, explain to listeners, I'm sat bang on that line, and I saw where you went to your seat because I met you yeah. at half-time, didn't I? I am, but, now, I wasn't sure about that one, but I always sit in my, that same seat apart from domestic cup games when I'm kicked out for the away fans. I uh, I sit bang on that left touch line, and you do see it. Obviously, I've got a better view than the linesman has. <laughs> I have, I, I could, because obviously I, I've got the best view in the stadium for that, you know, along with everyone who's directly in front of me. Uh, and there was a shot wanting from by uh, by me in the second half where it looked like it had gone out, and then it went. I think 
probably another it, Sane shot. It was that, a Sane uh, one, yeah. That, uh, Edison batted away. So you didn't think the whole ball went out in that occasion. So. No, but I, I honestly, mean, the, you're right. When I've seen it, a bit of it go out sometimes in the past. Yeah. I've had people screaming around me, referee, it's gone out. And it's like, yeah. oh, come on, you must know this. You must know if you watch football regularly that the whole of the ball has to go over the whole of the line. How yeah. can you not know something that simple? But but, but I think I think it's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Yeah. That 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 effort by was it Salah in the 2-1 we beat Liverpool and John Stones took it off the line <laughs> yeah. for, for, from the naked eye it's over the line but actually it was a centimetre not over the line I think the thing I'm, I'm pointing to there is that all the time I see officials raise the flag to indicate the ball's gone out of play when actually has the whole ball gone over the line and mm. I see it all the time I, 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 it, there's a big problem with, with consistency around throw-ins I see that a lot and I also see particularly in the Premier League, that throw-ins are taken incorrectly all the time. I mm. saw it about six times on Tuesday from both sides. Just poor throwing. And just read the laws. It's got to be above and behind the head. And so often players push it from the forehead. But the flip side is a referee will say, okay, to what extent is that impacting on the play? If, he's pl- if, the, if, if, the, if the player is throwing it back to a defender so it's going back into their half, actually, it doesn't make a lot of difference. Yeah, what's the point, yeah? Yeah, so 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 I understand also that sometimes you just want to, you know, you 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 just want to let the game flow, and and also depending on what level of out, protest you get from the opposition on, on, on a foul throw as well. But I just think so so that and and this cliche about didn't uh, um, he he got the ball ref and and just this general perception that. That the starting point is that referees are, are uh, incompetent and they are biased, uh, and, and and then the usual xenophobia will start to trickle out as well, you know. So, so I th- I think that that's what I can't separate myself from. But I'm not going to turn around to a guy behind me and say, "Look, I'm a referee, and the whole ball needs to be out. <laughs> the whole ball, you know, the whole ball needs to do across the line." Because I'm kind of asking for trouble if I do that, really. Mm. But uh, but yeah, to, to go back to the original question. I can separate myself from the criticism that other officials get, particularly at the highest level. It's just what has shifted for me and the journey that I've been on over the last, you know, kind of four or five years as uh, as an official is I do look at it very differently. And I've said this before, my perception of football has been impacted on because of my experience um, as a referee. And it's an ongoing conversation. Mm. Right, let's get down to it then. Forgetting European referees, uh, which I think fans love to hate, don't they? Actually, it's refereed differently. We are going, of course, to concentrate. Maybe not, of course, but we are We are going to focus more on the bread and butter of Premier League football, mm. which is what we watch most of the time, and those in the English game. Uh, so I'll start with the obvious question, in a way. What are the standards right now of Premier League match officiating? Has it declined in the last decade? How does it compare to the past? And before you answer, I just I did remember this morning you sent me a you sent a, on a WhatsApp a, a good few weeks ago a Guardian long read on match. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't find the link, but if you if anyone listening uh, 
and you do have the concentration span to read something <laughs> for five minutes. And I'm on the cusp <laughs> of five minutes now, uh, but I sat down and read it this morning. It's a really good read. It may not change your mind about anything. It may do, but it will make you think a bit that we're dealing with human beings here. Uh, yeah, if you just Google Match Officials Guardian, uh, it will come up pretty much immediately. It was written, I think, March the 23rd, something like that. So it's something for about three weeks ago. I do recommend anyone listening uh, sits down for a few minutes and reads that. Uh, but anyway, to that question, what do you think of the standards currently for Match Officials as a whole? I, I've changed the name from Referees because it wasn't fair to call it a Referees Mm. Uh, podcast because it's never been just about referees uh, what do you think where do you think we're at right now I find it quite difficult to answer that question because I think that we can't just talk about it as has have standards dropped for match officiating because I, I just think that the lens with which we look at officiating has changed dramatically so the, the kind of an analogy I can draw is um, there's the, 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 so, for example, the, 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 there's a massive increase in reporting of uh, office harassment or workplace harassment or, or, or sexism, racism, and everything. Are the incidents on the increase, or are, or, or is there now the facility and the infrastructure for them to re- be reported more more easy? And I always look at that when when it says there's been a massive increase in reported cases. Does it mean that something a crime is happening more, or is it because now there is the infrastructure to, for, for people to be able mm. to report it uh, confidently, and these things then will be highlighted? So, if you look at particularly since since the VAR structure has come in, that has impacted significantly on the on the scrutiny with which we look at officials and when you scrutinize something more with more criteria and more facilities to be able to do that in in, in forensic detail inevitably the standards will seeming will will be seeming to, to to drop because what we will focus on is not all the right decisions that are made but the very small percentage of the wrong decisions that are made, particularly the ones that would seemingly have a massive impact on the narrative of that game, the potential outcome of that game. I would say that match officials, they are now professional, so that it's a full-time job for them at the highest level. They are fitter. They are starting, they're getting high-level uh, fixtures and appointments at a much earlier age. So, so the, the average age of a referee has dropped massively in the Premier League. I think that's hugely helpful. England um, was the first to go professional, was it not? A good 20 years ago, was it? Thing. Yes, but that but that was still a, so so that was a so that will have been yeah. yeah full time so that I think the Premier League will have will have um, been in full swing by that point and also obviously with the Champions League as well. Basically, when the level of money involved increased beyond recognition, the need for officials to become full time professionals obviously came into play yeah. because decisions that were being made had a massive financial impact. Um, so I think I think that's been a benefit. I think that referees are retiring at a younger age now because the standards uh, are required. Um, uh, and I think I think there is a slow, hopefully steady incremental process where the um, 
the, the management of officials. So, for example, with Howard Webb's appointment, the, 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 the management of officials is becoming more comprehensive, more consistent, and hopefully a little bit more transparent. Now, we will see if that happens. So, the, th- through, through the lens of all those details, that's why I think it's quite difficult to say our standards of Premier League match officiating drop in because you could you could you could look into all those details and see how the infrastructure is being changed and the improvements that are being made and the standards that, that are being raised in terms of how an official continues to, to, to be appointed. But if you're if you're a Brighton fan at the weekend, as far as you're concerned, the standards of match officiating have dropped dramatically because you've been so neg- negatively affected by that. Uh, and well, so, can I say match officials as in on the pitch team then? Because if you're a Brighton fan, your your problems aren't just with those on the pitch, is it? So. But isn't but isn't this isn't this the problem? Part yeah. from the Howard is that it's a team. Is, it's a team. You are working as a team, and and we'll talk about this. But 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 the the introduction of 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 VARs has kind of dramatically impacted on the dynamic of the way officials work with each other. So. I I um, um, I officiated um, a semi final game last last weekend, and it was a, it was a cross county game. So it was, it was you know it was it was a couple of the guys were were were, were semi pros with it. So it was you know it was it was a reasonable level in terms of that county level, and there's a reasonable crowd there. And my fourth official um, had. Um, he had the uh, radio pack where we could use mics and headphones. And I took a little bit of convincing because I'd not used it before, but I actually used it. And the difference it made was remarkable because as a team, we could communicate with each other yeah. during the game. And it and, and it had it did have a positive impact in this instance. The key thing is to make sure your two assistants and your fourth official know, know when to speak and when not to speak, really. Um so, so I think that that that, that it, it is a team. You have to take responsibility uh, as a team for that. And and whilst the Brighton, you know, the Brighton fans will have been deeply discouraged and disappointed with 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 some of the decisions from from the VAR, they're inextricably linked to what's happening on the pitch as well. Really, so I'm not really answer- I'm not shying away from answering. I think some referees are excellent. Some referees have bad games, the same as footballers do. But the way they are scrutinised now does give the impression that we've got a problem with officiating. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I say that I say that we are going through a process, and I'm confident in another year's time we'll be in a very different place in terms of standards of of refereeing because there will be a little bit more g- consistency. What happens now? There are now just more opportunities for the officiating team to make mistakes than there was three years ago. And that's that's the big difference. I don't have anywhere near the same level of decision-making to go through as an officiating team because I don't work with VAR. Mm. And I'm glad I don't, I don't work with VAR because it's a very different experience for me as a referee in the middle without that. So you have no desire to work with the VAR? Because VAR was always sold as helping referees in a way, but you... You know, a referee still doesn't work with it, has no desire to work with it, now that you've seen how it plays out? I think, best way to describe this, it's quite difficult because 
All right. It goes to the very heart of what's expected of the officiating team, particularly the referee. Forgive me if you can hear some noise. Some guy decided to throw half his bathroom into a skip in the next door whilst I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so th- th- there's a kind of contradiction about the role of, of the referee is that that person is looked to make critical decisions during the 90 minutes uh, of a game. And fans genuinely want that referee to be independent and have their own thought about it and make their own opinion. Obviously, if the decision goes against them, that referee is regarded as a moron. Um, But but if it it goes in their favour, they're they're seen as as having a good game. Um, Every... Every game I officiate, before the game, I do a briefing with my um, assistants. At the end of the game, I do a debriefing. But in the, but at half-time, I also do a midpoint briefing as well. And we have a candid... I, I encourage candid conversation about, okay, have we made mistakes? Where's the area for improvement? Tell me if I made any calls that you don't agree with. And then we just talk, we just talk that through. Occasionally, what happens is there'll be a clear subjective difference of opinion about a decision that I've made, and that's fine because that 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 that's part of the game. But ultimately, because 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 we have no VAR, I make the decision and I'll stand by that decision. Mm. And that's really important. I would need to experience being on the pitch and having a number of my peers having the ability to ask me what I thought I saw. And then, and then be open to them suggesting that I've got it wrong. I don't know what that experience is like in terms of it being able to change my, my decision. One of my colleagues can say it to me after the match or at half t- or half time, but it will have no impact at that point. So at the moment, because I don't have any experience of it, I, I, I would I, I don't envy those having to work with VARs. But then if I had a positive experience, it might turn out something that I really like. But at the minute, I, I, for me, I feel it would bring me more problems than it might answers um, if I used it. But then this is part of the debate, isn't it? Is, is, is what, what benefit has VAR brought and what problems has it also presented? Dade, is there... We're going to come back to that a bit later after I looked at some examples. Uh, Howard Webb and how the sort of changes he might be looking to bring in uh, and what you think of him. But is the one criticism you see regularly of match officials that you think is unfairer than any others right now? That, you know, that shows that fans just don't, haven't got an understanding of what's involved in the process of officiating a match. It's interesting this because the only difference between you and I as regards laws of the game Howard, is that I've refereed a game and I'm mm. assuming you haven't re- refereed a game in any kind of formal no. c- c- capacity. That's the only difference. You know football as well as anybody I speak to about football, not just City, but generally about football. Thanks. You the underst- money's in the post. Yeah. <laughs> you understand the game. You have looked at the laws of, of the game. The only difference is, is, is you have not, you have not been in a position to apply them on a pitch. Now, that is a that, however, is a significant difference because it, it's it's. I would never say to somebody, "Look, oh, you've never refereed a game, so you don't you don't have a right to have an opinion." Because I I don't have the exclusive corner of that market just because I've been been an official, but I can say that there are certain things that, that, that an outside observer cannot understand, particularly a biased observer cannot understand, is that. 
is that often decisions a referee makes or will not make will reflect the temperature of the game that's on the field, which can feel different to the one that, that, that you're watching mm. in the stands. I saw several occasions on Tuesday with City and Bayern where the referee lets certain challenges go. And I think he was keen not to get his card out because he got his card out kind of after quite a few meter challenges. But also occasionally there are times when, 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 when it's kind of sort of half, of half a dozen of one and six of the other. And if the ball then just flows off into another direction, you'll let it go just to keep the, 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 the momentum going. Um, often fans won't see that. Often fans won't see that management of the game and they will apply a very Neanderthal approach an understanding of the laws of the game because it hasn't gone in their favour. And I think that, that, that there's, there's, there's a lot of empathy and sympathy applied to footballers in certain situations. We, we forgive them for missing a clear opportunity on goal. We, we forgive them for making a mistake in the box and, give, and giving away a penalty because that's football, that's the temperature of the game and, and we are flawed individuals because we are human. That same allowance is not made towards towards referees, and I find it bewildering because I I don't know what a lot of people have those massive criticisms actually think a referee is is made of, and I don't understand why there isn't an allowance for occasional mistakes. And but the key sorry, but the key thing that I find deeply ignorant is that the referee has a significant role in the outcome. Uh, of that game, but are not afforded the 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 kind of the the the, 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 the kind of due respect that should that 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 that, that should be given. They, they go hand in hand. You can criticise us, but you also you also have to respect us at the same time because we play a deeply significant role, and it's so significant that you'll blame us for all the wrongs of your team if need be. And so, so that's where I think there's unfair criticism, a complete lack of understanding of actually the dynamic of that person in the middle of the field. Well, I think they don't get the same leeway because VAR is not what we thought it was. We thought, you know, it was probably sold or it was probably in our heads. We expect it to be something that backs up referees and it, and it, in my opinion, and we'll come back to it later, the VAR, that we can't avoid discussing that every time we do a podcast like this. I think it actually undermines referees and has lowered their reputation, I think, because but, of how it's used. But but it's a low bar already. <laughs> the reputation of referees and the respect paid to them was already kind of, you know, mm. horrifically low before the VAR structure was introduced well, I th- and I think we had some capability though of accepting human error when it was just a human being making an you know a decision on the pitch there and then uh, and now it isn't we thought everything we thought would be total consistency and yeah you know. mm-hmm. anyway we're coming back to that I thought it would be good to look at that Brighton the Spurs Brighton game as a way oh, of yeah. discussing standards and the laws of perhaps people not actually knowing. And don't get me wrong, you were very complimentary to me earlier. I, I obviously get 
cut out with laws. There are loads that I probably don't know. Uh, I've mentioned it before on this podcast. The You Are The Referee book, what you're doing. There's so many situations where knowledgeable fans wouldn't know what the right decision is because they're, they're not trained to know that. And there are so many nuances. Uh, I also think, and this is a question for later, the way the laws are now, in, you know, have been written down are part of the problem. Before we get to that Brighton game, uh, I need to ask you about Elbowgate to Anfield. <laughs> What's your thoughts on that? I mean, taking out taking out the fact it's Andy Andy Robertson, and it's like, <laughs> go for it. I'm I honestly think the linesman was just you know it was a reaction. But anyway, what do you think? I think there's a. So, so, so the first, so the first thing is, is it, it's it's been difficult for me to to to, to find any other close up angles yeah. of that footage, really. So, you're looking at something from afar, and according to which camp you may find yourself in, you'll 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 find the action you're looking for. So, if you're a Liverpool fan, you'll find an aggressive action from from, from that assistant. If if you're not a Liverpool fan, or you're just trying to come in objectively, you'll find what it is you're looking for. I think that. Um, So so first of all, there's been little or no comment about Robertson's vitriolic harassing of the official of which he is renowned for. And that's Mm. why he's a deeply unpopular player with with, uh, amongst uh, opposition fans. Um, He, I think there's another Liverpool player walking with him. Um, as the assistant was trying to make his way to, to the centre spot to, to join uh, the referee and the other assistant, he was being harassed by that. That's deeply out of order, completely out of order. Um, I, I, I can't see whether or not Robertson actually touched him and whether it was a sort of a reaction to, 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 to push him off or whether the, 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 uh, the elbow came up involuntary or whether it was a way, is a sort of feigning to have a go at him. Either way, I thought that um, I thought that Robertson's response was like a child in a playground who'd had his sweets stolen from, him. And, I, and I think players should be ashamed of themselves sometimes. I think that it was a little bit of handbags, and I think that Robertson probably touched him, and I think the referee probably over-exaggerated the movement to 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 to, to push him away. I think Robertson should have backed off. I also think that the official should not have raised his arm really because he knows he's going to get scrutinized. And also he's quite a unit as well. So so yeah, so so any any movement on the top of uh, in his top upper torso is going to be exaggerated because he because he, he he he's a big guy. What I was hoping for and it may come to pass that it will trigger a debate about harassment of officials and players' responsibilities and officials' responsibilities. Because in any other situation in life, if somebody talks to you and challenges your opinion or intelligence in the way that football players do to officials, there would be a response. If you did that in the street, you did that in a pub, you did that in a workplace, there would be a response. And so I hope it raises that issue. But the, the tone of the coverage seems to be about it's a bit like you know man bites dog it's a bit like an official has shown a little bit of emotion here and has reacted and this seems to go against all of western civilization which i just think is an absolute nonsense i want the focus to be on what situation yeah what 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 situation caused that to happen and 
and and and there's uh, and if it's all about what the if the official did it, he's bang out of line and he, and he should step down because it means he can't control his emotions. At the same time, that that shouldn't then justify as a default Robertson's behaviour, which officials have to deal with all the time. I hope that that stimulates that 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 debate. I have I'm very doubtful that it will because it's been going on for so long. Um, but yeah, it it, do, it didn't look great. But it's hard to to cast a judgment on it because the the details are just they're just not kind of finite enough. You just can't tell what's going on. Uh, yeah, Stephen Price asked this on Twitter. Inevitable comparisons with Mitrovic, I think, is that nonsense trying to compare a linesman? Well, I who I think, and as you say, the the coverage is not conclusive. Trying to shrug off someone probably and over being over aggressive with it with what Mitrovic did is two completely separate situations you know completely different you're dealing the only similarity is you've got people unable to control their emotions uh, in a situation that can bring the worst out in people with Mitrovic it was a very clear display of aggression towards an official and categorically, you don't put your hands on a fit. In the same way, you wouldn't expect an official to put your hands uh, on a player. Mm. And I think more than that is, is I always say to players, look, I understand your frustration, but, and in that situation, it's like, Mitrovic, I understand your frustration because you, you, you've gone down to 10 men and, you, and, and you've gone 1-0 down. Uh, oh, so you've, you've, you've conceded a goal for them to equalise. But look at the bigger picture. There was nothing, there's nothing wrong has happened he, you know, um, Willian handled the ball and it was, and it was a dog. So it was denying the goal to an opportunity. He's off. Okay. Uh, the penalty stands and then you touch the referee, you're off. And so, so there was nothing legitimate about what Mitrovic did. So I don't think you can compare the two things. But it, it, basically, it's, it's, if, when someone tried to bring in the Mitro, Mitrovic thing to compare, it's pure whataboutery. It's all it is. It's tit for tat. The two things are, 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 are not comparable. As I say, the only thing that they have in common thematically is it's people unable to control their emotion. The FA wanted more than eight games for Mitrovic. Do you think it's the right level of ban? Right. Well, too I, harsh, I, too lenient, about right. Um, how long's a piece of string? Time to, yeah, time to question I mean, that, is it not? I'm not quite sure how they how they come to the conclusion about this. I've never mm. been involved in that process. I mean, I've been I've been involved in situations where a player has behaved in a certain way to me, and I've reported it, and they've they faced a lengthier ban and a fine. I don't know what criteria that the FA used to to, to distinguish how how many games that should be and what the and what the fine level should be. I thought that if he'd got eight games plus the three the three game ban from the um, red card, then that total of 11, I think that would have been appropriate. I actually think he got a bit lucky with just eight games because effectively it's an additional five game ban. And, and I, and I, and I think, I think what he did was bang out a line um, and really exploited the fact that, that he, you know, he's a big personality and a big guy physically on the pitch and is very imposing. And he, and he, he tried to bully the referee. It's completely out of line. Just weird how they lost the plot. For a yeah. correct decision, I mean, lost the plot just generally, but yeah, for a correct decision, weird. Well, again, and, and again, it was a penalty and, and, and a red card. Yeah, yeah and, and and that's being obscured. The fact that Fulham did this shit to themselves, hmm. you know, so many times when I'm refereeing a game, I'll say to a player, "Why did you do that?" 
Like, like, why, why have you just committed that foul in the box? You had no reason to, to, to do it. Or give someone a second yellow. It's just like, you know, I mean, you, you pick your times when you have that conversation <laughs> with them. But yeah, Fulham then, absolute architects of their own downfall because they could not control their emotion. And I'm sorry, but when you're playing in the Premier League at that level for that amount of money and the stakes are the, are, are, are the you know, there's, there's, a, there's an, I know, I know it was a cup game. But, but, you know, th- there's an existential threat to clubs when they get relegated and you can't control your emotions on the pitch. It's just, it, it, it's not acceptable. Uh, Stephen, back to that tweet, he does actually mention, you know, about dissent not being nipped in the bud. Mm-hmm. Is it worse than ever at the moment? Surrounding referees yeah. seems to be worse than ever. Uh, nothing seems to be happening about it. Yeah, you get an FA charge and they pay a fine, but that, is that really going to change Anything? Does the United City, whoever, mind if they get a twenty grand fine or whatever the fines are? I don't even check on it. Fa- you know, failure to handle player charges is not mm. really, not really going to change much, is it? Uh, managers on, yeah, the stakes are so high. Managers on the touchline, obviously, wasn't just Mitrovic in that full of game that got sent off. Uh, look at the Brighton. <laughs> full of gay uh, the Brighton the Spurs Brighton game sorry that we're about to discuss on the touchline uh, remember that respect campaign you know mm. long time ago into it? it seems to be worse than ever and nothing's really being done is it you know what's interesting is that it can change because it's mm. changed for me and I'm not I'm not going to draw a comparison between myself and Premier League referees right but, you know because that's that, that's a kind of redundant comparison really um, but it can change, and it's, it changes by by applying a threshold of tolerance from that official and making it clear from the beginning what you will to tolerate. So when I first started refereeing, and I was developing effectively my personality on the pitch, um, at first I was probably too draconian and couldn't really be communicated with. And then I started to develop an approach where I'd be much calmer, but I wouldn't tolerate people being aggressive towards me. I wouldn't tolerate, I don't, I don't tolerate players swearing at me simply because I don't swear at them. So it's, so it's a fair exchange. Um, and I won't tolerate that kind of harassment from, from players or from coaches or substitutes. And slowly and surely my, my reputation is a positive one has got around the leagues. Is that when I when when I when I referee that I don't get anyone swearing at me, I don't get anybody really harassing me. If they do, that, that, that I nip it in the bud really quickly, and I have a good relationship with most managers. Now, my my age helps that because I'm older than all of them, so I, ha- I have a sort of seniority advantage. But it, I'm not comparing myself to this guy. But if you remember Kalina Pelusi Kalina, he was. How could you forget? Yeah, he was, it wasn't just because he was like a big presence, physical presence, but he was calm and consistent, but he didn't tolerate anything and players responded accordingly. What helps me is the sin bin. It's the best introduction to non-professional football by a mile is that it gives me an opportunity to manage the temperature of the game and players, nine times out of 10, they go off, they calm down, they come back on, they apologize to me because they're kind of embarrassed, because they've been sent to the noise step, effectively. Mm. So when I look at Premier League referees, I'm, try- I'm looking at personalities on the pitch, which they are allowed to have. And if anybody denies them that, then y- y- you're unrealistic. Because 
you know, th- that's a part of also of, of, of the contradiction and expectation. You want them to be automatons, but you want them also to have a personality to, to know when to let the game flow or know how to manage people. People management is a big part of the game. I'm not seeing many referees in the Premier League who the players seem to have a fundamental respect for. Um, and and I'm seeing better referees than others. I'm seeing like I think I think Michael Oliver is the epitome of calm on the pitch, mm. and I like watching him referee because he's super calm about it. Um, that's why I never liked Mike Dean. I don't I don't want that kind of personality. Ma- Mike Dean was a pantomime kind of music hall performer. That, yeah. That's what he was like. I don't I don't want that. I don't want a villain on the pitch. I want someone who's got personality in terms of their strength of character, but I don't want them trying to hog the scene, trying to steal the scene. And I think that's where I struggled to see that referees could, the FA could impose harsher, harsher sanctions that happen in game. So if, if, if and, and you, you give the responsibility to, to the captain, you say, you manage it. If that player swears at me, I can do it once. Next time he's getting a yellow card for, for, for dissent. People would stop swearing at referees. People would stop being aggressive to them. People would stop being aggressive to each other on the pitch if that happened. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think the FA and and the ref and the referee federation, IFAB, know that the golden goose are the players on the pitch. Mm. And they don't want to upset them unless they really, really have to. And that's why I, I see professional referees starting in a position of inferiority as soon as they step on the pitch because of the way that players and managers view them. I'm trying to I'm trying to adjust that and impact on that at the level that I referee at and I'm having some success, but that's just my, that's just my attempt. But if I was in charge, I would start about zero tolerance, but I would in, I would incrementally put things in. You don't you don't talk to a referee like that, regardless of whether you agree with that person or not. You don't talk to them that way. You don't sh- you don't throw at them. Millions of people watch pr- Premier League players on television, kids, and you regularly see the, 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 the them telling other telling officials, swearing at them, saying things to them. It, it's it's unacceptable, and it would have an impact if that was managed. Do you not think actually European referees handle that better? That players know, I think players know, don't they? They're going to Champions League game. You do not surround a referee. Yeah. Because they'll get the cards out. Yeah. And and I think, I mean, I I try to I try to do it that it doesn't get to that point. Yeah. That you establish a dialogue from the very beginning. And early and early on, it's not about getting a card out. Uh, play to be fair to players. They don't know the, the the threshold of tolerance for each referee, so they'll try it on each time. Mm. But if if I'm refereeing a game and in the third minute a defender feels that they've been fouled, and he says to me, "Ref, what the fuck was that?" I'll stop straight away and just say, "You don't talk to me like that." Come and ask me a question. But you don't talk to me like that. You don't you, you don't undermine my authority. You don't humiliate me because I wouldn't do it to you. I wouldn't swear at you. I would undermine you if you if you if you did a poor tackle or or if you missed a penalty or whatever. I wouldn't do that. So you you don't do it to me. There's no reason to do it. You establish that dialogue early on. I think I think there's probably a preconception in European games that players know 
that referees at European level, they will be more officious if you push them. Mm. And so you don't get it. It starts as a standard from the beginning. I think the Premier League could do a little bit more than that. Inevitably, they would be accused of not letting the game flow. But ultimately, you would still get more respect for, for those referees. Not all referees, because as we know, the Champions League also has previous for terrible performances by referees. Usually in the Man City game, <laughs> but you know, so, so but but there is that distinction. It's not about referees being more pedantic. It's about them dim- commanding more respect. I think that ten yard thing that we used to have for descent was that a good idea for you? Move the ball forward if. Um. Yeah, but but it's. I don't know. You, token you're not, gesture in a way. It's a to- It is a token gesture, and I think that that it, that it's. That's, I don't know. I, I, I never really. I, 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 it's funny you. I'd forgotten about that, um, <laughs> and I'd never. It starts to get difficult because because as soon as the ball gets closer to the box, you've got to make a decision as if mm. you're going to apply this or not. What it doesn't do is actually convince that player who's who, who's giving you descent to stop doing it. Yeah, because he can easily forget. If he goes up the other end of the, of the field and scores a goal two minutes after you've moved the ball ten yards the other way for descent, he'll forget about that. It's about it's about communicating and developing a relationship for those ninety minutes with those players that they know they do their job and you'll do your job. So I think I th- for me it's also it's always about communicating with the players and having a relationship with them on the field for that ninety minutes because you are part of the game, knowing what your job is and them knowing what their job is. So yeah, I, I think I think it was. Um, Again, it again it felt like a it felt like a um, an attempt to punish a player without actually addressing the players and not actually really upsetting them on a personal level. Let's look at that Spurs Brighton match then as an example. Yeah. I asked you to look. I mean, you'll have been aware of it at the time. I think I just asked you to familiarise mm. yourself with it today. Uh, it was only at the weekend, so people, I'm sure, it'd be fresh in the mind of many listeners of what happened in that match as a whole. Before we look at the instance. Does that stand out to you as symptomatic of issues in the game right now, including with VAR? Or for you, is it just some human beings had a terrible day at the office? I'd, I'd say it's okay. I'd say it's a combination. I'd also say it's inextricably linked as mm. well. And by that, um, it was a game that was it was full of as. If you if you had a list of of what could go wrong with for officials in a game, they pretty much covered all the ground on that. Um, and also, it's symptomatic of how Spurs, who were terrible, continue to manage to to stay up in the top six. You know, it's, it's games like this which 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 they benefit from. What I would say is, and this I think I had a yeah, I had an exchange with Asan on WhatsApp about about this. I think that the VARs in the video rooms are having an impact on the way some referees are performing on the field because they know they have a safety net. And I think that never more so probably than the, I think the, the first real incident, which was the Hoiberg foul on Matoma for, for what, what, what they thought was a penalty, but, but wasn't a penalty. I, Stuart Atwell, who has a lot of ground to make up as a referee after this game, I think, because it wasn't just a he had a bad game, but also that that the, the, there seemed to be a um, 
there seemed to be an approach in the game which was reflective of the of, of his his atti- his application of the mm. laws i think is slightly problematic um but if I, if i if i'm a ref- so if i've got a var support system around me as a referee as much as i will try and impose my my uh, application of the laws on the game i know if i make a mistake it can be overturned particularly if if I give a penalty or don't give a penalty. Now, I always say to players when they say, ref, that was a penalty, I'll say, I've got to be 100% sure it's a penalty before I give it because of the consequence of that penalty. Because 95% of the time, probably more, a goal will come from it. So I've got to be absolutely 100% sure. And that's why sometimes when they say fouls are given outside of the box that aren't given in, well, yeah, they are. Because the, what's at stake is a little bit different. And if I give a penalty, I can't take that back. If I give a foul in the, cent- in the centre circle, it's going to have less impact, really. Um, so, so it is important that you're absolutely, absolutely right with that. But if I know, if, I, if, if I've got VAR to back me up, I'm possibly more likely not to give a penalty because I've got the benefit of that who, who could overturn it. The problem with it is, as we know, the VAR then has to find sufficient evidence clear to overturn. My, 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 yeah, it's got to be clear and obvious. And I think that is having the most de- detrim- detrimental impact on referees' performances. Fully is that, they, that clear yeah. and obvious is the problem. Yeah. Fans' perception, far and away, clear and obvious rule, i.e. we're not re-refereeing the game, is the biggest problem we have in yeah. match officiating right now because it wipes away consistency that we thought we were getting with VAR. Yeah, because what it comes down to is not was it a penalty, but could VA, could the VAR find sufficient video evidence to suggest he'd made a clear and obvious error? And whether we like it or not, in the heat of the moment, the best person t- to judge is the referee mm. on the field because because they're right in the middle of it. So with that one, just for listeners who may not have seen it, Hoiberg fouled Mitoma and he stood on his foot. And Mitoma went down. I don't think I don't think he went down dramatically. So again, I've said this before that, that with 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 fouls, a referee in the space of one second has to decide was there contact, was there sufficient contact for that attacking player to go down, or was that player looking for it? Mm. And in that situation, um, there was contact. Um, it was enough for the player to go down because Mitomo was moving. He was he had the ball. He was moving towards the ball. He had control of the ball, and Hjordberg's foot on his uh, studs on his foot stopped him moving forward. So you, your, your forward momentum is going to take you over. And I don't think Mitomo was looking for it because what he was looking to do was to shoot because he because he had an opening there. Stuart Atwell waved it away, um, and then the uh, the VAR, which was Salisbury, Michael Salisbury. Um, decided there was it was not there was not enough evidence to, to 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 suggest it was a clear and obvious error. That as a starter for ten in that game, that was a shocking decision, and I can't understand the criteria that Salisbury as the VAR was following. What got, what directive he was following to consider that 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 that, that it was not clear and obvious. Now, what it might have been. Is that is that the first thing that will happen with VAR is that the VAR will ask the referee on the pitch 
to give his his or her description of what they saw. And Atwell may have said, yes, um, uh, Hoiberg stepped on his foot, but it was not enough for him to go down. I thought he was playing for it. Hmm. And Salisbury took it upon himself to say, well, actually, you probably, I can't find enough evidence that, that you've made a mistake with that one. Basically saying there was enough contact for him to go down and Mitoma was not looking for it. He was looking to, 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 to shoot. I don't understand how he made that mistake. But it was it was a it was a, 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 a an explicit enough mistake that Howard Webb comes out to to, to apologise. Yeah. I applaud the transparency. I think it's a move forward. The next step for Webb is to reduce and finally eradicate the number of times that that can happen. But if I'm a Brighton fan, your apology can go in the bin. It's like thoughts and prayers after a school shooting. It's yes. like yeah. yeah, yeah, not much use to us now, is it? No. That was actually the 70th minute. The very okay. first thing uh, was in the 17th minute was Matoma's disallowed goal for handball. Yeah. And yeah. here, here, and we'll, I'll get to this after the match, or maybe I will mention it right now, actually. Clear and obvious is a huge issue for me, so, You know, in my personal opinion. The other one is, are the rules more complicated now than they've ever been or is that just because of VAR I'm actually reading about them more because I yeah. think match officials have been undermined as well by the greyness and muddiness of some of these laws and how they're interpretive and how many are now subjective and open to interpretation it feels to me as an amateur not you know from the outside that there is more for referees to interpret than ever with you know and some of those laws have been made because of VAR. Yeah. Am I right in saying that or am I not? And then can you explain what at the moment the handball law is? So you are right. The The handball law has, ha- has, has been subject to a number of tweaks over the last, uh, not last season, not, not this season, but the last the two previous seasons. And those tweaks are, res- are in response to something that's happened in a high-level game and also in response to the way that the game has speeded up. Probably a City game. Who knows? Uh, without a doubt. Yeah, they usually doubt. change the laws after City have uh, scored. Every, every tweak in the laws is usually says it, it's the Man City clause. But, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> We're um, not bitter, are we? No. Now, but, but, but this is a really interesting point. I think a really important point as well. There, there is slowly a more more of a division coming between grassroots football and and high level professional football in the Premier League because of uh, VAR. So I'll give you a quick example, then I'll talk about the handball. At grassroots, at my level, Mark, uh, Marcus Rash, the Marcus Rashford offside, and then um, Fernandez scores in the derby. Okay. Hmm. At grassroots level, at council level that, that I referee at, immediately that's that's offside because it's clear what he's doing. He's clearly impacting on the game. And I've got no ca- VAR, I've got no cameras to, to contradict me. And my official puts a flag up immediately. Okay, that's it. Hmm. And everybody will just nod their head and go, well, yeah, but he, wa- he was going towards the ball. So he, he was clearly I- interfering. With the cameras there, with VAR, it allows that, that sort of decision-making to be forensically unpicked. And because of that, the referee in that instance found a, re- found, found a, a kind of loophole to allow it because in the, in, in the actual laws of the game, 
he could say, actually, he didn't interfere the way the laws are written. Now, it's a, it's a nonsense. It's, it's an absolute folly. I'm not talking about common sense. I'm talking about he's he's imposing on the game. He's interfering with the game. But that's the big difference now. I'm never going to give that 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 offside as a goal with 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 the, with the Rashford Fernandez at the level I do at because it's quite clear that he's interfering. But VAR has allowed that discrepancy and that haziness to, to, to come into it. Now, the handball law has been tweaked an awful lot about, um, you know, when, when it's, if, if it's, if it's deliberate or not from the striker, the point at which it handballs them, if it's accidentally and whether they then score after that, if the ball goes out, uh, if, the, sorry, if the hand goes out towards the ball, if a player is supporting himself with his hand, on the falling to the floor if it hits him then when it hits a defender's hand so it's it's become much more complicated the a big shift has been what is regard what part of the arm is regarded as handball and there was a tweak that said that the top of your shoulder the curvature towards going towards the tricep when it comes in line with your armpit that's still regarded as not handball okay of course, you don't look at armpits. You look at sleeve length. You look, look at, at where badge. Bad, you look at where badges are, and there is a lot of variation with different leagues of how they refer to that. Of whether it's short sleeve length or, or, or whether it's um, uh, um, or whether it's it's that badge level. Um, you can normally tell um, when I'm when I'm watching when I'm refereeing a game, I can normally tell where it's handball, and part of it also, a player will not help themselves if they move that shoulder towards it, and then inevitably that sort of tricep, the the elbow bits start to come out. What happened with with Matoma was actually that the the VAR didn't overrule the decision; they didn't overrule the goal. The assistant did mm. because he raised his flag, so VAR didn't actually uh, overrule that one. But what it did bring in into the picture was is is how are you defining handball, and and where's the cutoff point for that? And I think that if if there's no VAR and they replayed it and it showed where Matomo actually hit it on his arm, I don't think anyone would actually complain that much. I I, I don't think it would have been that controversial to 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 to. to to give that goal. Or if the match, if the linesman, whatever they're called now, is it assistant referee? Assistant what? referee. I'm so sorry. There'll always be linesman <laughs> to me. Or woman. Yeah, yeah. Lines person. Uh, yeah. If the assistant referee hadn't given it at the time, VAR probably wouldn't have overruled that, would they? So. No, no. no. Which, you know, just, and, and, again, but the one, po- the one positive of it was that the assistant put his flag up, thinks it was handball, Okay, and he made a decision, mm. and half the people in the ground could say, "All right, you put ten people in a room and watch the highlights." Half would say, "I think it's handball," and half would say, "I don't think it's handball." Okay, when it's then given to VAR, what fans then want, what players then want is, "I want the truth." And unfortunately, in this situation, there's more than one truth because it's it, it is so. Um, so subjective hmm. we can't handle it, the truth so. no we can't exactly so so i think i think that was a difficult one but it's really really important that the the the, the to know that the the assistant on the field disallowed the goal yeah and var 
VAR said, there's not enough for me to overrule you. I think that's correct because there wasn't enough. I'd have been happy if that goal was given. I'd been happy if the goal isn't given. In this situation, VAR, I thought it was fine. There wasn't enough there to, to, to change okay. it. What it does do is highlight the fact that that handball rule about where the, th- where the cutoff point is on the top of the sleeve, that's the problem. Yeah, a bit of a stupid rule. It'd be yeah. easy just to use the arm, wouldn't it, really? Yeah. Get rid of these, stu- yeah. Right, uh, I think it was last weekend, West Ham won at Fulham with an own goal. Yeah. And there was a handball in the lead up to the goal, but not by the goal scorer. Yet again, another, in my opinion only, ridiculous rule about when handballs are acceptable in a move leading to a goal and when they're not. But again, that's subjective. We all have different ideas. And part of this entire discussion for me, when you look, yeah, we mentioned Dale Johnson's, uh, yeah, his uh, review. You'll see when he tweets sometimes, it's quite clear people don't know the laws of the game. Look, yes. they can't know them all, but some of them are very long-standing. Well, for, in my opinion, I don't want to sound you know arrogant, obvious laws. Some aren't obvious. And part of the problem, I think, is that we all have different ideas of what should be a handball, what should be offside, what should be a goal, and we just don't agree with the laws themselves. The match officials, of course, must, must, they must adhere to the laws. Uh, so it's not always the match official's fault. I think, and this is a silly rule. But what do you think in this game, back to Spurs, uh, the handball was the f- possible handball. I'm not that sure McAllister. myself. There was a disallowed goal by Welbeck that hit McAllister on the way into the net. So McAllister yeah. becomes the goal scorer. And I think it brushes his arm. Are you happy that this one's disallowed? I... I- I still don't think that there is for me there wasn't there wasn't enough evidence in the video replay to show that the that the arm had a defining impact on where mm. the ball went um now if if it did touch his arm then it, by the laws of the game whether it's accidental or not you have to disallow the goal because it immediately led to to um, to a goal. And it doesn't um, matter if it's tucked in natural position, it just... No, it, it doesn't matter. Arm. No, if it hits the arm and the arm, and the arm has, uh, has had an impact. So, so in that sense, if, if, if the referee... So if the VAR thought that the ball hit the arm, then they have to disallow the goal. Even though I think the ball's going in the same direction. Whether it hits the whether it hits hits just his hip or whether it's, it hits his arm and his hip. I don't, the ball wasn't going... In an upward uh, trajectory, it was going pretty much straight and it hit McAllister's hip and it went in. But I couldn't tell definitively whether mm. it hit his arm or not. And because I couldn't tell, because the original the goal was given originally, wasn't it? Uh, it was, it was given. Yeah, yeah I think it was. Yeah, I it, think was it, given. Went, it was given. It went to VAR and they overturned it. Yeah, Welbeck, so again, ce- yeah, Welbeck celebrated. It's probably a poor decision because it isn't that definitive, is it? No, it's not. I, I, I think it was a poor decision. I, but then people see what they see. And I looked at that and um, I was watching the highlights with my son and he said it hit his hand. It hit his arm, and I said, "I don't know if it did. I'm not sure." He thought it did. I th- I was unsure. If he's a if he's a VR referee, he's overturning it. If mm. I'm a VR referee, I'm thinking it's not enough for me. It's based on our perception. It's like the Tony foul at 
Brentford, Newcastle. It's like, and I think that was three minutes in the VAR studio. Yeah. It's like, can yeah. you really see definitively that there's a foul there on Tony? Like, well, it's, it's that thing, isn't it? I mean, how are you I seen? People, it amazes me how, you know, when things are on Twitter, how people are literally seeing different things from the same clip. Or maybe they they seeing what they want to see, basically. So, but but I think I, I think it's that thing about and Howard Webb has has I think he's alluded to this. If something takes three minutes to identify whether there's evidence, it's not clear and obvious. Yeah. And I think that's problem because I th- I think the longer if I'm looking at a replay and after a minute and a half I'm thinking I can't tell there in itself there's your answer it's not yet yeah, there's your answer what happens is if something's taking three minutes it's human instinct it's because you're starting to try and find it you're looking for it what so was there a handball if you're going to VAR review it's because you think there might be a handball so you're looking for it if you have to 90 seconds you can't find it game over that's it tell them there's not enough evidence if you're still doing it, it, it you're, you're it, it's that it's that um confirmation bias you're trying to find it and i think that's what happened with with, with with the McAllister thing i think he was he was convinced it was handball so he kept replaying it until the point at which i've actually i think i found it we know human instinct if you tell yourself something is true when you're not sure. Eventually, you'll start to believe it's true because you've told yourself it's true. Yeah. Uh, I'm all over the place chronologically in this Spurs game. <laughs> 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 Just blame Dale Johnson's ESPN article. For, yeah. Which is brilliant, by the way. Uh, but this was the last one. 86th minute, Langlet, shirt pull and dunk. And uh, yeah. to quote this article, people might not know this, holding a player's shirt alone isn't a foul. Mm. It occurs only when a player's contact with an opponent's body or equipment equipment impedes the opponent's movement so i mean it was one hell of a shirt pull on dunk yeah uh not given even with that caveat clear penalty for you uh on the field i'm giving that uh, simply because can I just ask was... you a very quick one so yeah if it's really clear but the ball was never getting to him even without that pull would you still give it yeah, because yeah. It, 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 the simple fact is, is the player's making a movement towards the area of congestion where the ball is headed. Mm. Okay, and as he co- and, and and as he's pulled back, it was uh, it was Langlet, wasn't it? Clement Langlet. It was. It's Lewis Dunk, wasn't it? Uh, as he, the ball isn't heading towards Dunk, um, but he's he's heading in the direction of where those centre halves are going to then meet that ball. They can see him in his eye line. He'll make a difference. They will they will address the ball in a different way if they see an attacking player in front of them. You, it's it's that peripheral vision that we see. Um, the pullback on Dunk prevented him moving forward, to preventing him impacting on on what was happening in that melee of players. Um, and it's it's a it is a clear pull. It's 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 naive beyond belief for, for Lenglet to take that risk, and it's a penalty, and it's also a yellow card. But if the ball, had, let's say that free kick completely messed up and it was going nowhere near those two players, would you still give it? Or do they have to have had a chance of it, getting to that yeah, ball? Yeah, there's got to be some subjectivity there. A, a, a shirt pull is not enough. And as you say, it, it's when it it, 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 it um, impedes the opponent's movement. But you have to have... It's difficult because you've got to have a certain level of subjectivity. If 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 if, if Son takes that free kick and he completely skies it, or he or he shanks it and it goes wide, you're thinking, right? Should you know? He did pull it, 
but what impact has it actually had? Mm. It hasn't had any particular impact. Now, fans may be screaming going, you can't be that subjective. But in the narrative of the game, that is what happens. If that ball gets shanked and is nowhere near, I'm probably less likely to give up because the way the ball was going, it was had a clear impact. Now that, you could say, is a slightly loose interpretation of that law that says um, only occurs when a player's contact with an opponent's body or, or equipment impedes the opponent's movement, okay? Hmm. But, there's all, but there is also a significant thing about when you pull a yellow card as well, because you don't just pull a yellow card for a foul. You pull it if, 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 if it's, if it's, you know, consistent, if it's a persistent fouling or there's been a good opportunity, we save stop. But all I would say is in that particular movement, in that particular um, uh, period of play, I'm giving a penalty for that because it was so explicit as well. Okay. Well, we'll move on from that game now because uh, time is running out. Howard Webb's in charge now of the PGMOL. Ed, has he impressed you with his early management words, actions? Of, and again, in that Guardian long read, I think he's mentioned and in the issues he is going to be looking at, the assessment uh, of referees for one, I think is one, one area referees don't like because it's not mm-hmm. done in the stadium. You talk all the time about you have to manage the game itself. You're like a psychologist, aren't you? Mm-hmm. You don't give a yellow sometimes because it's best for the game and it's not needed. And yet, there's this table in there, uh, mm. you know, where uh, you have to do this. Uh, but I hate that phrase. Oh, why did the referee, you know, when like someone like Paul Merson goes, why don't you use common sense? It was like, well, he can't, he's being assessed. Yeah. And he has to apply the laws. But you've talked about how, you know, d- dealing with unique situations in that pressure pit. And of course the assessment method doesn't do that. It's all done somewhere in an office. And uh, mm. referees obviously are very aware that, they can be marked down and go down the table and not get big games and so on like that. So that's one thing he's looking at. You know, he said he would look at, I think they'll go down well with referees, but has he impressed you in the, I mean, because obviously the issue, it seems like things have gone downhill since he got there, but he's not responsible for that, is he? So I think, I think that he talks a good game to be fair to him. Hmm. And I think it also helps that he's not been refereeing for quite a while. So he's been able to have, um, an objective overview of where of, of where it's been going, and I think he's one of the first things he he's done in he's done since he's come in is is not a point particularly VARs if they're if they're performing poorly. So Mike Dean has, has stepped down temporarily or otherwise. Mm. So is Lee Mason, I think, as well. Um, so I think I think that there needs to be consequence because I actually think I, I think that assessment of the VAR needs to be different to the assessment on the on-field referee as well because in as a VAR you're not um, exposed to the same level of atmosphere uh, that that is in the ground and, and the management of that game it just becomes a, a forensic um, analysis. I think you're right about um, it's very competitive for referees at the highest level and. When I was going through, so when I get um, the level I'm at now, I had a number of promotions to, to get to that level. And you get assessments. And, and sometimes I was bemused by the assessment. Um, I thought I had a poor game one time and I got excellent marks. And then I had a great game. And then I got I got criticised on a few things, which, which was symptomatic of that particular referee's approach to the game, really. Um, but I think that what I would implore everybody for everybody in the footballing world and fraternity to do is have some patience with this is 
if if the problem with referees and particularly the, v, impl, the the application of of the VAR's role if it's so fundamentally flawed it's not you can't solve it overnight hmm. it's about education it's about training it's about application of consistent um, uh, assessment and reducing the uh, margins for error and I think we need. I, I think I think what we need to do is look at this in another year's time, this time next season, to see what has been uh, improved. Um, and also for people, you know, if you ask yourself now as a football fan, you've got a choice. It's binary. You either have VAR, you don't have VAR. I'd like to know what people's responses would be. Should I um, put a poll on this podcast? Then we should do it. We should do it I because think right. I am, I'm sure. <laughs> what the answer will be to not have it yeah i'll give you a percentage now of not have it 78% i reckon would say get rid of it now and i would say that's what's wrong with football be- because it would be a imp- an impulsive response where people think football is binary and the mm. the attraction of football is that it isn't binary it's unpredictable. It's subject to human error. And every game is different, as in every player is different. If we get to the... But we can't get ahead rounds that as fans now that we've got technology. That but it it's is time different. we did. It's time we did. <sighs> I know. Maybe eventually it will, because when it's been here so long, we will. I mean, if you want to look at... I wouldn't call it hypocrisy the wrong way, but a dichotomy of... Football fans, it's like I know, I've sat there when a city has gone and like that. You know, when people laugh, partly serious, partly laughing, going, "What are they looking at here? Are they they're literally trying to find a reason to di- to disallow this goal?" And other times, it's like, "Why haven't they looked at that?" So we moan sometimes they're not looking at stuff, and then we moan that they're trying to look at everything. So yeah, we'll always moan about something. Uh, what the clear and obvious thing for you is it important that rule? because it doesn't re-referee the game? And do you think VAR is correct that it never tries to re-referee the game and so is only there to correct the referee for big mistakes or things that they've missed? It's... If the referee's... Yeah, if the referee's made a big error, then it should be there for that. But the but the protocol is the VAR asks this the online the on field referee what did you see? They describe what it is, and then the VAR say, VAR then will say, well, actually, I think you may want to take another look at this. The, if there is a seventy eight to eighty percent majority of people want to get rid of VAR, then I would say well, we're in the Champions League final against Napoli. And they score a goal that proves to be offside, and they win uh, win the title. Do you want VAR then, or are you happy hmm. just to say, "Oh well, shit happens in football"? Because I think that would be a very different response to that. I still it's think, a pointless question away because it's not going now. So no, no, it's not. We're not but moving it, into that. It's a hypothetical question. The, 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 also, it's really important to keep reminding ourselves: VAR is not a system. VAR is a person. Yeah. Okay, the system is the use of the technology. And, 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 and the way that, that, that that's applied. The VARs need to improve. The infrastructure needs to improve and be more consistent. And, and it and it needs to, it, I think it needs to reach a certain threshold to say this is what we do and this is what we don't do. And that needs to be made clear 
and transparent to everybody involved in football. I still uh, advocate for referees coming out and talking through their process, talking through the, the, the decisions that, that they've made. Even if as a fan you didn't agree, you would have a better understanding. Because this just this, this links to this thing that I say all the time, and, and I'm, I can hold my hand up and say, I didn't say this five years ago when I wasn't a referee, but I'll, I will say it now. You trace it all the way back. You 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 brush past what damage is VAR doing? What what benefit is it giving? Are the standards of football referees in the Premier League dropping? Do we have a problem with referees? Is there inconsistency? Take it all the way back to the foundation, which is how are referees viewed within the culture of football, not just in this country, but on a global basis. Fundamentally, they start from a position of inferiority and an assumption that what anything they do will be wrong if it goes against your side. Mm. And you can hear that level of ignorance and prejudice on every football field, whether on Hackney Marshes, right, or whether in Wembley Stadium. You'll hear it all the time. And until that is shifted, you, you can't treat somebody like shit and then expect them to have incredible and then having and then have unrealistic expectations of what they should be doing if you think that they are incompetent from the beginning and that that for me is is one of the key problems we don't just have to change the way we look at the way officials officiate we have to change the way that we look at officials i'm bound to say that but that, that for me yeah. is a prerequisite which which I will I will demand every time I walk on the field as a referee, um, and I'm starting to get it, which means it can happen at a high level as well. Yeah, and players and managers, as we've said before, have to look at themselves as well. Very, very brief, uh, quick questions to finish off. Then uh, one that I probably forgot to ask earlier: Do you think having dedicated VAR officials would work better than? like ex-referees moving in there, do you think it's a completely different skill set needed in that studio than it is to be a referee on a football pitch? I think it is of more benefit to have somebody who's got experience on the field being in there because yeah. they understand the game better. Okay. Where there, but where there's a disadvantage is when they bring their subjectivity to, to the decision-making when video can give you a much clearer, distinct, give you much clearer, distinct evidence. That's that's what Webb's got to navigate. Making sure the standard referees coming off the field into the VAR room is maintained, but also making making them check their subjectivity at the door and remain objective. That's really hard to do. But I think you've got to have you've got to have experience on the field to understand the context of VAR. Okay, and if there's one law, rule, whatever, law of the game, pretend you're God, you're not just Howard Webb, you can actually change <laughs> IFAB laws or whatever. Uh, perhaps it's a law linked you know, to the VAR and its usage, or you could change one thing that how VAR works or is operated. Is there one thing you would, if you were in charge, you'd change tomorrow uh, in, in Premier League football to help with the current situation? God. Um, nice easy question to finish off the podcast with. Uh, so 
Well, just as a fan is the one, you know, one interpretation that really annoys you. I, you know what my pet hate is all the time is how easily penalties can be won. Mm. And I, I don't have an answer. I don't have the all-encompassing answer to that, but I'd want it to be looked at. And I think especially the handball side of things, I just is a bit ridiculous. I, I always think a penalty is an 80% chance of a goal. And if you've got a very good penalty taker, more than 80%, of course. And I think penalties should be earned better. And I think the way VAR is interpreting handballs at the moment is a, a bit of a mess. Uh, but I don't have the answers, but I so just know I, it ain't right for me, basically, as a fan. So so, so I guess I guess what I... Hmm, I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to be regressive. I don't want to be old school with this. When a, when a law changes significantly, it impacts on the game. Look at the back pass law. Change, change the whole nature of the game mm. of defenders of goalkeepers' skill set that, that was required. I think the question of interfering if a player is offside but not interfering with play, I think that has made it unnecessarily complicated and changed the way that teams attack. I would like to see that if the offside law became binary again is you're either offside or not. It doesn't matter whether you're interfering with play or not. I'd like to see how that changes the way contemporary football conducts itself in terms of uh, uh, attacking play. It still remains a problem at grassroots level of being able to identify when someone is interfering or not simply because of the angle that they're looking at. It made it more, it's made it more difficult. I wouldn't do it as a as a kind of cutoff point, but I'd like to see do a season where the where the where the offside law goes backwards a little bit to say you you're either onside or you're offside. Doesn't matter where you are on the pitch, whether you're stood in front of the keeper or not. Just to see the impact that that has and how that impacts on the skill set of the, of those strikers. That's probably the only one really. Okay, or do a hockey and get rid of it altogether. No, nope. <laughs> that'd be fun. Get the goal hangers <laughs> back. Just be like the playground. Nope. Yeah, I'm no, still no, fuming no, no. about Daddy Tieto's disallowed goal against Middlesbrough. So. Yeah, oh God, yeah, those wounds run deep, don't you're they? You're holding on to things here, aren't you, Jesus? Well, he was on our Cult Heroes podcast last week, so it, yeah, it's triggered, it's triggered me all over again. So, uh, right, I think you've put the word to rights there, Chris, so thank you very much for coming on, really appreciate that. Pleasure as always, and just to say that this is just my opinion, based on my experience as a referee. You could get another referee in, Peter Walton maybe, oh. you might have a whole different... We got approach. so close to the end without saying his name. Who <laughs> might have a whole different approach and attitude towards refereeing. And that's part of the problem, I guess, or the dynamic is that referees are individuals like football players are individuals and they will apply the law the same way football players will on an individual basis. Hopefully we can move towards a more consistent application of that. To quote the life of Brian. We're all individuals, so <laughs> live with it. Chris, thanks again. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure, Howard. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, we've got loads more coming up, obviously, because the football comes thick and fast. Uh, Premier League preview, Friday show, loads more besides. So take care, everyone. Stay safe. And as always, up the blues.